Hi, this is Larry Cole with Torchbearers, and I just want to thank you for uh, uploading the podcast. Uh, I ask if you would uh, share this with people. I really try to uh, hear from the Holy Spirit, uh, not just for myself, but for the body of Christ at large uh, to hear what he's saying. And when we hear what the Holy Spirit is saying, it always brings direction. It brings guidance. It brings freedom. It brings wholeness. It brings peace and salvation and protection. Um, just it, it sustains us. Um, so we really need to hear not only what the Holy Spirit is saying, but the timing of what he's saying. Um, So it's kind of like this. Uh, Sometimes when we are craving a particular food, and I'm especially speaking of something healthy, I wonder if sometimes it's not our body that is crying out for that food because that particular food has nutrients that our body knows it needs at that particular time. So as we seek out that food that we are desiring, craving, hungering for, that food brings the nutrition that we need to sustain our bodies. So uh, it's just like very often we can hear of someone being put in the hospital and come to find out the only thing wrong with them is they were lacking potassium. Um, So they just needed to eat more bananas or eat foods that have potassium in it. So it is very important that we have a nutritious spiritual diet um, of what the Lord is feeding us, but also when he's feeding it to us. So timing is very important. It's not just the substance, but it's the timing of the substance. Uh, So for example, it was 4,000 years after creation that Christ was born. He couldn't come 1,000 years after. He couldn't come 3,000 years after. He had to come 4,000 years after, and it was in uh, divine timing, a divine appointment. A time appointed was when Jesus had to come. And so it's interesting, even with like the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Jesus fulfilled that feast the last year of his life, not the previous 32 years, but it was the year that he died that he fulfilled the Feast of Unleavened Bread. What is the Feast of Unleavened Bread? It's when the Jews would get all the leaven out of their house. And and leaven wasn't just used for cooking, but it was used as like plaster on the walls. So they had to remove all this leaven from their house because leaven represented sin and it was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Uh, Why the Feast of Unleavened Bread? Well, uh, it all goes back to the Passover in Egypt uh, when God told Moses to have all the Israelites kill a lamb, put the blood on the doorpost, and one of the things that they had to do that night was bake bread that was unleavened. Leaven takes time to rise. And God said, I'm going to get you out of here quick. The time has come. There's an appointed time for you to walk out of Egypt. And the leaven is going to slow you down. The sin is going to keep you from walking in the timing of the Lord. So I need you to bake unleavened bread that doesn't take time to rise. And you just mix the flour, the water, the oil, and put it on the griddle. And next thing you know, you've got unleavened bread within five minutes. And you can walk out in the timing with God. So this is very important. We cannot afford to be slowed down by the weight of sin that we are carrying, by the burdens that we're carrying. It is time right now to get free, to make yourself light, to pull up your roots 
from the soil of this earth so that you can move with God and move in his timing or you're going to get left behind. You're, you're going to end up coming up short. You're not going to be able to walk where the Lord is walking. And ultimately, this results in disobedience. So Jesus fulfilled the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the exact timing of the last year of his life. Then he fulfilled the Passover. He was our Passover lamb. What is Passover? Well, it was the last judgment that God brought upon Egypt, but that same judgment um, applied to Israel, the Hebrews also. All the other judgments that God had brought against Egypt, it did not have a direct impact on the Hebrews. It was just judgments against the Egyptians. But when God said, I've got one last judgment left, the death angel is going to pass through the land, but any door that has blood on the doorpost, the death angel will not come in their house. Any doorpost that does not have blood on it, the death angel is going to come in the house and smite the firstborn of that family. And it wasn't just for humans, it was for animals also. So it was very important that they uh, sacrifice that, that lamb without spot or blemish and put its blood upon the doorpost so that the death angel would pass by. Um, Jesus is our Passover lamb, and we have to have the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of our heart constantly, consistently, because there are waves of darkness that are marching across the earth. There is gross darkness that is coming upon the people, and the enemy is constantly looking for a time and for an opportunity to see that you have removed yourself from the blood of the Lamb and as a result death begins to work in you. Sin begins to work in you. So you've got to make sure you stay close to the blood. I know a lot of people think, well I've been walking with the Lord for a long time and I got saved decades ago and now I've moved on to bigger and better things. Friend, there's nothing bigger and better than the cross of Jesus Christ. This is the power of the gospel that Jesus preached that um, that Jesus fulfilled that Paul preached and this is the the message of the Apostles and the prophets with that chief cornerstone that is laying the foundation for the church don't ever graduate from the cross don't ever graduate from the blood don't ever move yourself above the blood of Jesus because as soon as you do death is coming in and sin is coming with it and it'll it'll drag you away into this world so Jesus fulfilled the feast of Passover by becoming the Passover lamb at the exact time that God had appointed. Even that day that he was crucified, exactly the third hour of the day or 9 a.m. in the morning when Jesus was being nailed to the cross in the temple, they were sacrificing their Passover lamb at the exact same time. And even the altar that the lamb was being sacrificed on, it was made out of a particular type of wood called shittim. And on that wood, they had uh, melted bronze. And so there was a bronze covering over that wood. So the blood wouldn't soak into the wood. It was um, kept on that bronze. So it was a, a, a table of shittim wood and it had bronze on top of that table. and. Theologians believe that that was the exact 
uh, materials that made up the cross of Jesus Christ. That the cross was made out of the same wood and that the spikes that were driven into his hands and his feet were not iron, they were made from bronze. In that time, iron did not have the ability to hold the weight of a man, but bronze was strong enough to hold the weight. So Jesus fulfilled the Passover in so many ways. And then he fulfilled the Feast of First Fruits. What's the Feast of First Fruits? This is when the first harvest would come in the spring. It was the winter wheat that had, had been sown back in the winter and in um, early spring it was to be harvested and they would take the best of that harvest, they would take a measure of it and they would bring it to the uh, temple and give it to the Levites as an offering. This was the first fruits of the harvest of the year. Well, Jesus fulfilled the feast of first fruits because the harvest represents the souls of man that will be reaped and harvested, born again and brought into the kingdom. They will rise from the dead and we will meet him in the air. Jesus is the first to be raised from the dead, so he fulfilled the feast of first fruits. And then we see seven weeks later, uh, in the culmination of the feast of weeks, we see that the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost was a Jewish feast. It was the 50th day after Passover. And it, this was fulfilled by the Holy Spirit coming. So <laughs> we've got to make sure that we are walking with God, listening to His voice for what He is saying right now. In the days ahead, there can be times when one step in the wrong direction can, can uh, cost us very much. So we have to make sure that we're walking with Him. So here's what I feel the Lord saying today. The Lord began to speak to me uh, actually earlier this week. It came to my mind. There's a term in the scripture. It's found in Leviticus chapter 10. It's a term called strange fire. So this term in the Old Testament, we see that there were coals from the altar where sacrifices were made. And when these coals were still hot, they would be carried into the holy place. And those coals would be used to ignite the fire on the lampstand. And those coals were also used to burn the incense on the altar. Well, in Leviticus 10, we see that there were two men who went into the holy place to light the lampstand and to burn incense before the Lord. But they did not take fire from the altar. They took fire that came from their own home or some other uh, camp and they took that fire in to light the lampstand and to burn incense. And as a result, God sent fire out of the Holy of Holies and burned them up right there to a crisp. They just fell dead right there and what was left of their bodies had to be dragged out. So we see that it was strange fire, the Bible says in Leviticus 10, that they offered unto the Lord. So what is strange fire? Well, the opposite of strange fire would be familiar fire. If something is strange, it means it's not known, it's not common, you're not aware of it, you're not in sync with it, it's something different than what you're accustomed to. God set up ordinances in the Old Testament and He said, look, here's this tabernacle, I've showed Moses what it looks like, I've put it in the hearts of, of different people to build that tabernacle. And I want it done exactly the way that I showed it to Moses because 
this tabernacle is a replica of the tabernacle in heaven. And I want to make it on the earth as a picture to show people what heaven is like and to show them how to function in the heavenlies. So because Jesus came and because we are washed in his blood, we are seated in heavenly places. And that is a place of authority. So Jesus died so that we could be in heavenly places. Well, where are we at in these heavenly places? We are in the tabernacle of heaven, the same place that Jesus, our great high priest, has gone before us and sprinkled with his own blood to give us access to the holy place in heaven. You say, well, I've never seen heaven. How do you get to heaven? I'm here on the earth and I'm in my body. And, uh, how can I be seated in heavenly places while I'm walking around on the earth? Well, it's similar to this. Where is Jesus? He's in heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, but he's also in your heart. So how can Jesus be in two places at the same time? Because Jesus is a spirit. Um, he has a body, he has a soul, but he's also a spirit. So that's how Jesus is seated in heavenly places and he is seated in our hearts the same way with us as we become aware that we are now spiritual beings born again by the spirit that means we are spiritual beings we can not only be in the flesh walking on this earth but spiritually we are seated in heavenly places so god has places in heaven for us to go to now in the spirit in worship and to experience him so Let's talk a little bit more about this strange fire. God would not allow the lampstand to be lit or the incense to be burned by fire other than the fire that came off the altar in the tabernacle. Why? Well, that, that altar um, that was built in the tabernacle, it had to be anointed with oil. It had to be consecrated it had to be set apart it was considered holy once it was made to the specifications that God ordained and then it would be anointed with oil then it was sprinkled with blood and it was considered holy so the altar was holy and then on that altar there would be animals that had been uh, killed and that had been cut up and they would be offered on that altar. Those animals also would be inspected by the priest, would be anointed with oil, the hands of the priest would be laid upon them, and that animal would be classified as holy and it would then be offered on the altar unto the Lord. So the altar was holy and the sacrifice was holy. Well, in between that animal and that altar, was the wood and the fire that would consume that holy animal. So that fire was sandwiched between the holy altar and between a holy animal. And as a result, that fire was holy. And as that fire consumed that animal, the smoke would rise up into the heavens, into the air, and it would be um, a sweet savor unto the Lord. So that sacrifice was offered. So. The fire on that altar was holy. There was no other fire that was holy. So when the priests brought fire 
from a different place other than the altar, it was not fire that was holy. It was not fire that was familiar with the altar. It was not fire that was familiar with the sacrifice. It was not familiar to God. It was strange. It was unknown. And God said, the only way you're going to light this lampstand and the only way that you're going to burn incense is by the coals off of that altar. And these guys neglected the ordinances of God and it cost them their life. So what does this have to do with us? Well, there is an altar. There is a cross. There is a place that the Lamb of God was offered. And that cross was um, and is the, one of the most holy things that God has given us. It's not something that we wear on a necklace. It's not a pair of earrings. It's not something that Cool J Rapper uses to identify himself. The cross is an altar and it is the place where God said, there's coming a time when I'm going to make an altar for my son and it'll be known as the cross. It will be made out of wood and he will be hammered, nailed to that cross as a sacrifice for the sins of humanity. So it just, it gets to me sometimes when I see how much we just throw the cross around, like I said, with, with jewelry and with artwork and different things, and we don't reverence what the cross is. The cross was an altar and it was made for the Lamb of God. So on that cross, God offered His Lamb for the sins of all humanity, not just for the sins of everyone that would be born after the cross, but even for those that were born before. Because after Jesus died on the cross, His soul and His spirit went into the earth, into paradise, and He preached the gospel for the first time on the other side of the cross. He preached it to those that were born in the Old Testament period. And if they received that gospel, they were able to be born again. And even some of those people rose from the graves and walked throughout Jerusalem for a few weeks with Jesus. So, when we offer worship unto the Lord. So here's what the Lord is showing me about modern day strange fire that there are people that are standing before the lampstand. What is the lampstand? The lampstand represents the seven spirits of God. It represents the seven spirits of God that brings the fullness of illumination and revelation of the Word of God. Now here's the question. How is that lampstand being lit? Well, the oil of our adoration is what fuels the fire that's put on the lampstand and that fire comes from the altar. So I cannot think that I have graduated to be above or beyond the cross and the blood of Jesus and think that I'm just going to hang out with the Holy Spirit. If you're hanging out with the Holy Spirit, I guarantee you the cross is never far away. The Holy Spirit of God is never far from the cross. This is why Paul said, I preach Christ and Him crucified. Why? Because this is the power of God unto salvation. This is the presence of God. The presence of God is never far from the cross. And here's what the Lord is telling me, that there are many people that are 
um, saying they are fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit and they're not. And there are many people that think they are worshiping the Lord, but they are not. In order for you to worship the Lord the way that He desires, you have to worship in spirit, not in mind, not in emotions, not in the flesh, but from your innermost being. You have to worship Him in spirit and in truth. This is the worship that the Father is looking for. And many people think that they are worshiping God, but they have not been to the cross. You might say, well, I got saved 30 years ago and I'm worshiping today. Well, Paul said he crucified the flesh daily. How do you crucify the flesh? You go to the cross. You go to the cross and you take another look today at the Lamb that has blood dripping off his toes onto the ground. You smell the blood coming out of those piercings and those stripes that are upon him. He was wounded for our healing. He was bruised for our iniquity. He shed his blood for our sins. And we can never be far from the cross because this is the gospel of our salvation. There's a difference between salvation and being born again. When you're born again, it happens at the cross and your heart is circumcised and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God comes through that cut in your heart and puts the gospel into your soul. Salvation, though, is God working in our lives to provide, to protect, to work in us, to work around us. This is the salvation of God, and it's at the cross. This is where the power of it is. So we can draw a parallel today between the priesthood of the Old Testament and the priesthood of today. The priesthood of today, if you want to be a royal priest, according to 1 Peter chapter 2, you have to come to the altar every day. You've got to keep the fire on the altar burning. The fire at the cross has to keep burning. You have to keep that love and that desire and that hunger to meet with the crucified Savior every day. As we meet Him there and we daily crucify the flesh, the desires of the flesh, our will, our thoughts, our emotions, then we can walk into the holy place with the risen Savior. This is who He is and this is what He does. As you come to Him, 1 Peter chapter 2, 4 and 5, as you come to Him who is a living stone that has been rejected by men, but in the sight of God, He is a chosen and precious sacrifice. As you come to Him, then you yourselves become living stones. And as a result, you are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, listen to this, to offer spiritual sacrifices. What are spiritual sacrifices? These are the worship. These are the dyings of the flesh. This is me offering up to God, no matter what's going on in my life, no matter how much my mind is occupied, no matter, matter how much uh, weight or burden there is upon my heart. From deep within me, I'm offering up worship and praise unto the Lord. I am offering spiritual sacrifices. And because I have come to Him, in this way, my sacrifices are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 
So friend, the Lord is saying today, there is much strange fire in the church. There are people that are not going to the cross and they think they're offering up praises and spiritual sacrifices unto me, but it's just another song. It's just another chord. It's just another instrument. It's just another musician and singer. And we are offering up to the Lord strange fire. And in the Old Testament, that strange fire resulted in the death of the priest. And we don't have people physically falling over dead on the stage today offering up strange fire unto God. But in their hearts, they've grown dead. They've grown cold. They've lost the anointing. They've lost their love for Jesus. And they are walking in sin and disobedience. And most of them aren't even aware of it. And the Holy Spirit is saying today, I need you to offer up fire from my altar. I need you to offer up a burning love for Jesus Christ and Him on the cross so that you can walk with the risen Savior throughout the tabernacle with me. Don't walk with strange fire. Make sure the Father recognizes the fire that's in your heart. And as a result, we will walk in love. We will walk in His authority. We will walk in the fullness of the Holy Ghost and in power. I love you, friend. We're offering up familiar fire, praises unto the living God. Amen.